you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks and I'm delighted to be your host and I'm proud to be your guide through the challenging but always exciting and always rewarding world of retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in to episode 148, number 148. Now, as you may have seen in the news over the past few days, Amazon are rumoured to be opening a number of different physical department stores, which I'm sure you can imagine gets the entire retail industry talking and wondering what is next for Amazon. And there could be a number of different reasons why the online giant is deciding to pursue this path. It could be to appeal to new customers, perhaps, although you could definitely argue that there aren't many customers who aren't already aware of the online giant. It could be to learn and collect data about customers. Maybe, but for the business who strives to be Earth's most customer-centric company, they already know a huge amount about us as customers and as consumers. It could be to build a network of fulfillment hubs for click and collect and omni-channel retail. Okay, I see where you're going, but unlikely given their expansion into lockers and partnerships to create numerous collection and return points, and in terms of using them as mini fulfillment centers, stores are not going to be as efficient or speedy as fulfillment centers for rapid fulfillment, except in the immediate vicinity, especially given the depth of range that, of course, Amazon is well known for. In addition, the stores are reported to be smaller than the typical department store, so I don't think it's going to be that particular reason. It could be a test ground to define what will be the next big move for the company. Well, that's almost for sure. Amazon are well known for their sort of test and learn approach. They did it very effectively with their just walk out technology with Go stores. And they continue to experiment, continue to learn. So undoubtedly, this will be a learning ground in addition to all of their other physical retail experiments, such as Four Star, such as the Amazon Salon that they opened in London fairly recently, such as obviously all their Go and Fresh stores and Dashcard and all the other things that they continue to innovate with and learn about. And there are a couple of other reasons why they could be opening physical department stores as well. It could be to aid discovery. Hmm, very interesting. We know that the Amazon grid is hard to shop and not so inspirational, so there's definite potential there. Or it could be to aid support. Well, this also could be true, allowing the self-proclaimed most customer-centric company on earth to connect with customers and build loyalty, especially for some of the more emotional or more complex purchases that a customer might be going through. So I think these two aspects, discovery and support, are definitely going to be the focus areas if Amazon do, of course, go through with this rumoured strategy. And discovery will be our focus for today's episode. 
as we continue our conversation. This is part two of this episode. You don't need to listen to part one, which happened in the last episode, episode 147, where we discussed transforming discovery in retail. But continue listening and do make sure that you catch up with part one later on. Now, if you have listened to part one, then you know that I highlighted a number of different questions for you to consider as you consider and approach transforming the discovery phase of your shopping trip and your customer experience. You know, previously we spoke about why someone might be shopping with you, what's their mission, and how do you support people on that mission? And in actual fact, it's also important to consider how are you going to identify and categorize someone depending on their mission, because then you can aid them in discovery in the most relevant and contextual way possible. So think, what's the shopping behavior that you'd expect with the different missions? And is that discovery phase uh, a one-hit aspect, or is someone going to need to interact with your brand multiple times as they research and check specs and read reviews and consider the purchase? Now, of course, that is going to be infinitely dependent on your category, your particular niche, and what products you are selling, right? And even within the business, the behaviors required will be different, whether you are selling a high-priced or maybe luxury item compared to more of an impulse product. But do consider, depending on those different behaviors that you would expect, how are you going to help someone through? How are you going to stay in touch with someone as they go through multiple different touch points on the discovery journey? Also think about how your colleagues are going to be rewarded and recognized for helping to push a purchase along. And this, of course, has been critically important as the world shifts to omnichannel retail experiences where colleagues in store may or may not be wanting to push customers online, again, depending on how they are rewarded and recognized. And also, whilst you are thinking about the customer here, think about the emotional and psychological journeys that a customer goes on as well. And importantly, Where are the driving factors for the shopping trip? You know, are they buying from a a place of fear or are they buying from a place of aspiration? And how is that linked to the brand, to the, the wider marketing that your business does, to the different calls to action and so on? Now, in the previous episode, we spoke a lot about discovery in physical stores. And this time I wanted to shift the focus to online a little more. Now, this is, of course, especially important as the shift to the online battleground continues. Now, let's be honest, e-commerce tends to be much more transactional in nature. The discovery part of a customer journey led through a search box or a menu system isn't that inspirational for customers. And also, browsing the grid isn't all that sexy either, is it? But there are lots of opportunities to transform, to inspire, to intrigue, and to excite your customers. But there are lots of common pitfalls to fall into as well. For example, I'm sure you recognize that great images and great words or copy can help sell a product. But boring stock images and standard words or very plain words can really struggle to bring any product to life but especially if that product in question is available elsewhere 
and customers are looking to discover and learn more about that product. Think, how are you going to stand apart in a sea of sameness? Especially if your brand is not as recognized or trusted by customers. So let's just touch on a few different aspects that can play into that discovery journey. Firstly, the homepage, hero images and highlights are like the window displays in a physical retail store. Again, in the previous episode, we spoke about adding science to the art of those window displays and online retail can do just the same. But do watch out for overloading the messaging and all the design especially as new technologies continue to be developed and deployed to websites. Cookie opt-ins, chat bots or chat boxes, notification slide-ins, marketing opt-ins, ads. And this is all on top of already battling distraction from the browser with elements like the notification bar and multiple tabs, or whether you've got notifications from other apps on a phone. It's a very busy place. And your customers think about it for yourself, right? We're all online customers, I'm sure, are being bombarded by distractions from left, right and center. So you do not want to add to that. You need to be able to cut through and keep a customer's attention as they do go through this discovery phase. And I would urge you to think if your homepage was translated into a shop window, a physical shop window, would it look cluttered? Would it look crowded? Would it look confusing? I'm pretty sure it would if it is a little on the busy side. But think, how can you use that homepage to direct and segment traffic dependent on the customer mission? What stage of discovery are they at? And if you could direct and segment your customers, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to respond and treat your customers differently in terms of recommendations, in terms of content, and in terms of the call to action? Moving on from that homepage, you may look at then the the featured products or listing pages and think about, actually, what is the order of that grid? How are you going to push the highly converting lines or your preferred lines? Perhaps they're very profitable, for example. As well as then, how do you blend in attachments and upsells and impulse purchases? And recommendations here are also critically important, particularly as you help your customers through that mission. And whether it is recommendations in the listing page or on the product page, you know, there are some great opportunities. Amazon, on their website here, continue to drive more discussion around how they've blended in aspects like ads into their listing pages. Shifting the conversation a little bit further forward, recommendations and people who bought this also bought suggestions are hugely influential for helping people to discover your range. Amazon are, of course, masters of this, albeit some of their recommendations can be a little bizarre sometimes, and one-off purchases of very peculiar items can, of course, distort it. But when these recommendation engines are powered by analytics and then insight, you can get some very good tailored recommendations and suggestions that help your customer on that discovery journey. And talking of data and analytics, these can give huge insight into refining and optimizing all of the different pages. But you do need to be looking at insight rather than just data, of course, and you need to be smart with it as well. And by that, I mean, you need to layer in a level of your own expertise, your own gut feeling almost. 
but also being in touch with your customers. It's all too easy to let your customers be degraded into a series of ones and zeros in the numbers and in the various reports. But actually, when was the last time you spoke to a customer about browsing the site? Maybe that's a little bit of homework for you to go and do right now. But as data and analytics continues to pick up pace, artificial intelligence and automation is going to help you to make your overall site content better targeted to customers and the missions that they are on. But how are you going to be able to make the same recommendations to customers in other channels, particularly in your stores? In fact, do you have anything else like it that can help with attachments and upsells and so on once perhaps a customer reaches a checkout or when they are in discussion with a colleague? But when you are dealing with AI and automation and so on, you do need to make sure there is a layer of common sense included. You want to make sure that you have got perhaps common or preferred accessories and attachments, or maybe depending on what the product category is, you may want to limit what attachments and accessories can be offered to a customer depending on what it is you are selling. There's no point selling an iPhone case to someone that is buying a, a Samsung phone, for example. And it's also worth recognizing the differences between correlation and causation. And here I'm thinking back to the brilliant episode and the brilliant conversation that I had with Ian Shepard in episode 120, where we spoke about understanding data and data science, all inspired by his fantastic book, The Average is Always Wrong. And just rewinding a couple of minutes, thinking about blending some of this insight into in-store experiences. I think there is a huge opportunity to connect with customers as individuals, just like online can do. But at the moment, it can feel clunky or a little digital, having to give over your email address or, or get a, a specific app to be able to shop in a store. So I think we'll continue to see a lot of innovation and development in this particular area, which gets exciting. And technologies like beacons and geofencing are going to continue to revolutionize and I'm sure will play a part in this automatic or sort of natural check-in, shall we say. But do, above all, think, what is a customer going to get from this? Whether it's a check-in, whether it's downloading an app, or whether it is giving over their personal information. Is it just marketing comms that you want to give them? At the moment, that's usually it. But what is it that can really help them through their mission, through their journey of discovery? Another part of discovery, particularly online here, is having engaging content that can help understand more about the product or even maybe the category, whether it's detailed product reviews, whether it's different buying guides, whether it's an explanation of some of the complex terms about any given particular product. But just then I said engaging content and to make it engaging, it must be enabled and delivered by people, right? Rather than just a list of facts and features. And who is it that makes your content engaging? It's got to be colleagues from across the business, whether it's your marketeers, whether it's your social media team, whether it's your buyers, whether it's your store associates, whether it's your call center colleagues or customer service center colleagues. And certainly not limited to those ones only as well, by the way. Every one of your colleagues can help to make the content that your business produces more engaging. Let the passion come through for sure. You may also get engaging content from influencers, whether it be 
large-scale influencers or micro-influencers as well. And of course, they may also be your colleagues as well. I think that will be a trend that we'll continue to see to aid customers on their journey of discovery. And of course, your customers can become brand advocates as well to create more engaging content and help others discover. And we'll be coming back to brand advocates and recommendations towards the end of the episode. So do stay tuned for that. And this is also reminding me of another episode, actually, episode 60, where we looked at your store being the stage. Now, that was actually recorded before coronavirus came along, but it's still so important and it's still just as relevant now. And one of the key bits of that episode was around engaging a customer in a story. And I think the discovery aspect, as well as the support aspect that we spoke about earlier on, are two brilliant places to invite your customers into an engaging story where your brand plays an important part, but your customer plays the central part. And online shopping has a great opportunity to aid with discovery through content. And I think that is actually something that physical stores could learn a huge amount from. And especially as you extend beyond just those two very broad channels and you look at the other different channels available within your ecosystem. So as you are helping your customers to discover a range, you are also going to want to be able to advise and support them towards making a buying decision. And for me, one of the areas that is most exciting in terms of giving advice and helping support a customer to the buying decision is video consultations, which of course was accelerated by COVID. And video consultations for me bring the convenience to help overcome the choice that can be attributed to online, where you've got pages and pages and pages of different options available. A video consultation allows the people to do the selling rather than just perhaps images and words or maybe even videos, right? But it is not applicable, of course, for all products and categories. Now, when was the last time you really needed advice, perhaps to buy bread? And are you going to want a video consultation to make sure that you buy the best sliced bread <laughs> in your weekly shop, right? Probably a, a step too far, but maybe there's a maybe there's a niche in there. I'm not sure. I'll let you explore that one. <laughs> but based off research by Red Ants, video consultations are definitely a technology that are here to stay. And I think this is a technology or a tactic that you can deploy whether you have stores or not. There's absolutely no reason why your brand can't employ video consultations if you're an online-only retailer. I think that could be a great differentiator, in fact. It adds a level of humanity. It adds a point of difference. And ultimately, it will drive the conversion. It will drive the AOV and your basket size and so on. But if you are an omni-channel retailer, also think about how you can use video consultations to continue the discovery journey. Earlier on, I touched briefly on the point of how are you going to stay in touch with your customers as they go through the different touch points on the discovery journey. And actually building an omni-channel basket as you blend between different channels is absolutely a huge opportunity connecting both the different digital channels, as well as, of course, connecting the physical and digital channels. And there's some fantastic work being done by, by brands like Charlotte Tilbury, 
or by retailers like Furniture Village, both of which are powered by Red Ant Systems. So do go and check those out as well. And then the final key point I wanted to make today was around NPS or Net Promoter Score. Now, this is quite a polarizing concept. Some people love it, some people hate it. But of course, it is all around how likely it is that you would recommend our brand to a friend or a colleague. And recommendations here can help discovery massively because a lead is coming in warm. They're coming in ready to buy. They're coming in excited by their friend or colleague who did recommend them. But my question to you here is, what is it that you were doing intentionally to inspire that recommendation to happen? And actually, what more could you do to encourage your customers to recommend your brand or product to someone else? And whilst that may or may not improve your NPS score, what it will do is it will improve the number of actual recommendations that you get. So do think about what you are doing to inspire that recommendation and how you are building that into your operation, into your training, into your different messaging, for example. And that can help kickstart the discovery journey for your next batch of customers. Now, discovery is, of course, a key part of retail and a major opportunity to build trust and loyalty from people as you look to convert them into customers. And whilst it can be hard to attribute changes in the discovery phase through to a tangible financial figure that you can include in a business case, it can be done if you are clever about how you are designing trials and tests and insight in the right way so that you know that you are making the right decisions. And I've got a couple of closing questions for you in just a minute, but I do hope that you have enjoyed this episode. And I've got three recommendations for additional listening. And we've touched on all three of these today. So just very quickly, do go and check out part one, episode 147, where we kicked off this conversation and it was much more focused on physical stores. Although, as I mentioned, I think in that episode, I think there is a huge amount to learn in discovery between physical and digital channels and vice versa. The second recommended episode to listen to is episode 120 with Ian Shepard, as we look to understand data and data science. And then in episode 60, I was highlighting the opportunities of making your stores the stage. So do go and check those out. Episode 147, episode 120 and episode 60. And if you would like a little reminder of all of them, then the one place to head is obandco.uk slash 148, which is where you will find today's show notes. And of course, if you would like help to transform your discovery phase, then do reach out. You can reach me on oliver.banks at obandco.uk. That's oliver.banks. That's oliver.banks at obandco.uk. Now, my closing thought for you today is on top of the closing thought that I left for you last time, which was, of course, around what are you intentionally going to do to take these points into action, which I think still definitely applies. What are you intentionally going to do? And today, I wanted to give you a slightly different thought as well. Discovery-based metrics are brilliant leading metrics for sales. They help suggest what your sales in the future will be 
rather than a lagging measure of what your sales yesterday or last week or whatever have already been. So firstly, do you have the right leading measures in place to make sure that you are going to understand what the future holds for you? And then secondly, if your discovery measures are leading measures for sales, then what are your leading measures for discovery? Have a think about that. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And can I ask a quick favor? Who do you know that would enjoy listening to this episode? Why don't you recommend it to them? It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to joining you on the next episode of the Retail Transformation Show. Bye.